Right, well, if you have your Bibles, grab those. James chapter 5, uh, we'll start in verse 13 here shortly. Um, but that's, that's where we'll be this morning as we really start to uh, wrap up our series in James. We'll be uh, James 5, uh, 13, uh, and then next week we will close out our fall series uh, in the book of James. Um, so, man, I just I pray that God has just used this, man, this sweet letter uh, to the believers at a very, very difficult time, that He has just used it to shape you and, and mold you, to encourage you, uh, to aid in your growth and walk with Christ. I just, man, my hope and prayer is the same that, that James uh, shares over in chapter 1, that you would be complete and lacking in nothing. Man, if we as a church would just mature in our walk with Christ, if we would grow up into the spiritual things uh, that God has for us and, and walk in that in a way that honors him, and I believe that's what James was trying to encourage the believers in this day. I believe that's what he was trying to press them in this day toward. And, and as, you, as we've walked through and as we've seen the different things that he addresses, the different things that he uh, brings out and talks about, um, and there's no way but to have to address things. There's no way to, to hear that and not have to handle and do work with the Lord. And so I, I just I desperately pray that we would be a people that grow. That we would not be stagnant, that we would not be complacent and satisfied, but that we would grow and mature all the more in our uh, walk with uh, the Lord. And so what we're going to see this morning, I believe, is just going to be a practical way um, for us as followers of Jesus to, to, to press in all the more, to, to be able to, to grow. He's going to uh, bring this letter to a close, and as he does that, he's going to begin to push and encourage uh, and remind them of something very, very important. Uh, press them towards something very, very important, important, pushing them in a way of, of following and living out Jesus uh, that I'm afraid that not many get to. Uh, following and loving and pursuing Christ in a way that, uh, uh, that, is, that is just not had. And so what I want to do is I want to read a couple scriptures to kind of set up the heart behind uh, where we're going to be this morning to kind of set up and, and aid us in uh, getting to where we're going to be. And, and I'm just going to say this. I, I believe that there's many different ways that you could preach this, this text. Here in James 5, starting in verse 13, that, that would be um, honorable to the text, that, that wouldn't take it out of context, that wouldn't strip it of its meaning, that there would be uh, different avenues that we could take uh, that would be honest and true and good to this text. And so this is kind of the direction that I, I feel God leading me this morning, uh, as this will set the stage of, of, of the heart behind why we need to do why we need to live out what James is going to encourage the believers in that day. Colossians 3.1 says this. It'll be on the screen too. Colossians 3.1 says this. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I mean, so there's some pretty heavy, weighty truth in that scripture. Very heavy. John 15, 4 says this, probably scripture that you're very well familiar with. John 15, 4 says this, another uh, very heavy uh, relational type scripture as with Colossians. He says this, John 15, 4 says, abide in me, stay in me, remain in me, be in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, is what Jesus says. And as I read those, and as I look at those, and as I let those just fall heavy on a heart, I'm just afraid that many don't get to that place. I'm afraid that we just, we just, we just read those, those, those scriptures like that, and we look at those scriptures, and they sound nice and good and sweet, and have got some amazing promises in those for us. But my fear is, do we really seek things above do we really focus on and go after the things of the Lord? Do we really set our minds on things above, as it said in Colossians? Or are we too focused earthly? Is the things that we think about and meditate on too man-focused, too world-focused? What about things like this when he says you, you are dead to self? Like we're dead to our desires, to our longings, to our wants. If we're in Christ... And then just even abide in Christ, stay in Christ, remain it, be in Christ. Like just to be reminded of that constantly. Do, do many get to that place where that's, that's the focus of your heart, of your life, of your day? What, what about this where there in, in, in John where he says that we're useless without him? 
I mean, do we really believe that? Do we think that? Do we understand that? I think that we've got too much power and resilience that we think we have, but that we're useless without him. We can do nothing without him, he says. And then this one, even bear much fruit. I mean, th- those kind of words are relational words. How do we bear fruit? Because we're in him. We're in the vine. We're in him. We're, we're seeking things. Our minds are set on him, on things above. We're abiding. We're walking with. We're in Christ. And so my fear today is that many people who claim to be believers, this right here, the Sunday morning gathering, is the highlight of a relationship with Jesus. And that should not be the case. This should not be the deepest you go throughout the week in your walk with the Lord. This should not be, this is just, this is just a shot of adrenaline to go. This is just the bride getting together, the family getting together to be encouraged to be pressed on a little bit, to worship together, to get, to get the family together, to draw from and encourage. But there is so much more to the Christian walk in life than this. So much more. I mean, I mean, think about it. At best, two to three hours a week is had here in this place. And the amount of hours that we have in a week, I mean, this can't be the highlight. This can't be the greatest thing. There has to be intimacy and relationship and walk outside of these walls. And I know when we begin to talk about relationship, when we get to talk about intimacy with the Lord, I know our current world has robbed us of what relationship truly looks like. And I know our culture has robbed us of what that really means. I mean, you look at social media, I mean, I was just looking the other day, I've got over 1,500 friends, yo. I'm probably one of the coolest guys in this place. Send me some more. I mean, I'd love to be your friend. I mean, we can go as deep as me maybe posting once every three months. I'm like, I'm I'm really boring to follow on social media. I'm not a very good friend there. I'm just not a good friend at all. But but we think in our minds and our hearts, man, those are my buddies. Like, we're tight. And the crazy thing is, like, I can, like, we can even tell each other, I can tell you what you did last night, what you had for dinner, who you're hanging out with, where you checked in at. I mean, I mean, it's, and, and like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever been out and you're like, ah, oh, I know them. And you kind of, like, you make eye contact, but you, and you, but you don't, because you don't really remember, like, am I really that good of a friend or not? I've seen a poster, ah. I mean, has, has it not robbed us, this current world that we live in? And so an hour gathering to sing songs and to hear the word of God proclaimed, which is needed and is good, is not the Christian life lived out to the fullest. And I would argue that maybe that's not even the Christian life at all for some. And so my fear is that we've just missed what James is going to press the believers toward here. And what we're going to look at today is something that only happens out of moments of, of, of desperation and convenience for most. And that, that's, that, is not, that is not the way the Lord intended it. The Lord intended intimate relationship. The Lord intended walk, pressing into, abiding in. And I just believe one of the reasons we struggle as a people of God so much with what James is going to address here is because we're really bad at personal intimate relationship. Especially with that of Christ. We don't do the abiding and, and the difficult but fulfilling work of relationship with him. And I don't know if it's because we think it's all one-sided. Because that's not the case at all. Because God speaks. And the thing I love about God speaking is it's louder than words. And it's usually in the stillness of the moment that we're going to see this morning or we're going to talk about this morning. Through prayer, through his word. Oh, he spe- his word's alive. It's living. It's active. It's working. Not to mention we've got the Holy Spirit in us, drawing us, encouraging us, doing a, a work in us. It's difficult, but it is so fulfilling and worth it. And I promise you it's not one-sided if you press in and seek. So I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray and then J- uh, James 5, 
13. Father, we, uh, again, we need you. I just ask, Lord, as we look at some of these uh, truths that you've given us this morning, that you've inspired uh, James to, to pen, Lord, I just pray that this morning it wouldn't fall on deaf ears or hard hearts, but God, that you would cultivate and work in this place this morning. And I pray, God, desperately that you start with the man uh, on the stage that has the privilege to speak and open up, and, and, and God, I just, I just pray you work through me, and convict me, and draw me, and Father, I just pray the same thing for the men and women in this room that's going to hear your word spoken. Uh, for those that are going to hear online, God, that there be a deep conviction of relationship, a deep conviction of the things that you're going to uh, press on the believers in this day. God, help us this morning hear from you. And we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, John, uh, James, I don't know why I keep saying John. James 5.13, this is what it says. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And what I love about this is this is just an invite for the people of God, is it not? To do what? To press in and go deeper with the Lord. It's, it's an invite. That's, that's what I love about the Lord is that, it's, uh, that the invitation is there. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there's this invitation to be intimate. Like if, if you've ever sat around and waited on somebody to call or waited on somebody to text or wait to get the invite, the, the invite's been given. The invite is an open invite. It's not one of those things that you have to call and make an appointment with. You, you, just, you just go. You just get in there. You're, you're, you're welcome there. You don't have to knock on the door. You just get right in and go. And so there's that invite to go deeper. And he does it in two ways here in this verse in 13. The first way is through prayer. Prayer, what is prayer? Prayer is just communing with the Lord. It's talking with God. And I think sometimes we make this a lot harder than it needs to be. Again, the invitation has been given for us to boldly come before the throne. To boldly come before the throne and talk and, and make petition and, 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 and give our requests, but to also listen and hear. Some of the greatest times that I've had in prayer, I hadn't said a word. Some of the deepest times that I've had with the Lord is I, is I haven't even spoken. But I've just had my heart and my mind engulfed in who God is and what he's done. So the first invitation there is prayer. It's an ongoing, never-ending conversation with the creator of the universe. I mean, I don't know the, the coolest or most powerful person that you've ever gotten to talk to or be around or have conversation with, but they feel miserably compared to the one that has invited us in to, to converse day in and day out anytime we want to. The line's never busy. He never takes a message and has to get back with us. He has invited us in to walk communally with him. So, so you have Jesus and you have the disciples, and one day they approach Jesus and they, they ask him, what do they ask him? They ask him, like, like, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and I just want to kind of give you some conjecture of my belief here on why, why they do that. It's because they've, they've seen a rhythm to Jesus' life where, where he models unity with the Father. How? By, by the way that he spends time alone with him, connected to the Father. How? Through prayer. And, and they see that power that is, that is, that is exercised through that. Like I think of the story of the disciples and what are they doing? They're trying to cast out demons and they can't. They just, they just can't do it. I mean, they're using all their energy, their effort. They're trying to do the things that they've seen Jesus do and cast out these demons and, it, and it's just not working. And they ask Jesus, well, why can't we do that? Why can't we be like that? Why can't we cast out this demon? And he tells them because that demon is, is only cast out through prayer and fasting. Through prayer and fasting. And so I just know in our culture, in our day, there's a struggle to be alone with God. Everything dinging, binging, going off, notifications, stuff happening, not to mention how distracted and how uh, anything that just shines or, or, or glistens or flashes. I mean, we're just to be alone with the Lord, to, to unplug and get away for a minute, uninterrupted time. Just listen for a second to some of the things that Jesus modeled that he told, that he, that he modeled for his disciples and, and for us. Just listen to this flow for a second. Matthew 14, uh, 23 says this, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went on uh, up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. What does he do? He slips away. Alone. Pray. Mark 6, 46. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to do what? To pray. Luke 6, 12. And these days, he went out and, uh, to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. All night. Didn't stop. It's in fellowship with the Father. Mark 1, 25. And ra rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Do you kind of see the, the theme of this? What does Jesus do? He gets alone. He, he gets away from. Uh, Luke 5, 15. But now even more, the report about him uh, went abroad. And great crowds gathered to him. 
and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So what we see in all these scriptures is Jesus takes time to get away and pray. He takes time to get away and refresh. He takes time to get away and, and do relationship. This is the flow of his life. Is it not? It gets crazy. What does he do? He slips away. It gets busy. What does he do? He unplugs and slips away. He, he's needed greatly. What does he do? He stops and he gets away. Things are going great. He pulls away. You just see this flow in the life of Jesus. And I believe if we as a church, if we as believers are ever going to rise up and walk in the power that God has for us to bring him glory, we have got to be men and women who are serious about spending time with our Father through prayer. We've got to unplug. We've got to stop. Why? Because we need to be refreshed. The soul needs nourishment. The soul needs alone time. The soul needs communion with God. That's what we need. I don't know how big and bad and great and strong you think you are, but if Jesus, the Son of God, has to, what makes us think that we, can't, we don't need to? And whether that's through laziness, whether that's from feeling inadequate, whatever the excuse that we could give, you don't know how busy I am, you don't know how busy I am. And you're right, I don't have a clue. But the thing is this, we can never be too busy to stop and pray. Which again just shows the, the great need for us to stop and pray because that's sinful. That's pride, that's arrogance. Well, I, I've got a lot to do. D do you really? The greatest thing that you've got to do is pray. That's the greatest thing that anyone in this room has to do. That's where the greatest work of God happens, I believe. Is in prayer with the Father. In communion with the Father. I mean, I just, it, just, it blows my mind. And I, I am so guilty. Hear me. Like, like I'm, 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 I'm just preaching to myself right now. Not, whether anybody gets anything out of this or not. God, God's just whooping me. But it would be like this. It would be like, I mean, I, I, I think about it for a moment. Like, like if I talked to my wife as much as I talked to God, we would have been divorced years ago. Yeah. I mean, you laugh, but you're probably in the same boat. I wouldn't recommend trying it. But, but, but you see what I'm saying? Like, like if I did relationship with my wife or with those in my life, the way that I do relationship with the Lord... You, you, you'd hate me. You would hate me. Think about that for a moment. Why does he get the leftovers? Why does he get last? Why does he get pushed to the side? Why, does it, why do I have to get to more important stuff? And I never say that with my lips or my mouth, but man, my time communing and alone with him would greatly, greatly reflect that. And you know what his response is? Let me show you how much you do need me, which is loving and gracious. You know what his response is? Boy, get back in here. You know what his response is? Man, it's been a long time. What? Let's talk. I love you. I long, I long for this time with you. I want you to see the great need for me. I mean, his response is always, get back in here. Get back in here. I read a quote this week, really, really like this quote. I've read it before in the past, but it says this. It says, let's spend, this is Mark, Mark Deaver, this, this theologian. He says this, he says, let's spend so much time in public prayer in our churches that some people are bored of talking to God, uh, the God they only pretend to know. Wow. What would it do to our church if we just gathered on a Sunday morning and we just prayed for a month straight, every Sunday morning for an hour, we, we, there's no song, there's no uh, opening up. We just, we just get on our face before God and we just pray. It'd thin out the crowd real quick. But I think once God gets us to where he would want us, imagine what he could do in us. And, and I just, when I read that, that's what I think. I, I just believe that he's just saying, let, let's be so focused on something so important. So important. And, and, it's, and it's so much more important than just praying for the meal or praying before you put your kids down at night. That's not the prayer that we're talking about. We're talking about intentional, deep, intimate conversation and communion with the Father. And I just believe he's saying we focus on something so important that we have that focus and that dedication to something so spiritually important, it's going to reveal real fast the heart of who, who people are and where they're at in their walk. But James says, hey, the way you get in, the way you do relationship, the way you do intimacy with God is through prayer. And then he goes on and he says this. He says also through praise. 
and praise happens in many different ways. It's, it's a gladness of heart toward, and it, it leads to a life of worship. John Piper says this. He says that praise and worship is gladly reflecting back to God the value of his worth. That's, that's what it is. That's what praise, that's what worship is. It's an attitude of a grateful heart that has experienced what the splendor and greatness of God. And what does it do? It, 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 we make much of him in a way that, that we reflect that back, all that he's done, all that he is. I mean, I mean, it's a glad heart of outpouring to the Father. And so singing is one way that we do that. Like, like it's not just a time filler up here. It's not just like, okay, they can play the guitar good or they've got a good voice. That's not, that's not what it is. Or we've got, I mean, we've got to stretch it. I mean, trust me, I would have no problem preaching for an hour and 15 minutes. Most of you know this. That's one of my greatest qualities. You're welcome. Um, But the songs, there's so much more than that. So much more than that. It helps us go deeper and grow all the more in maturity. I mean, some of the theology that's found in the songs. And I know, I mean, all that, that new stuff. Is, there's some really good new stuff and there's some really bad new stuff. There's some really good old stuff and there's some really bad old stuff. Can, can we get past that ridiculousness? And can we just focus on what we're singing and the words that we're singing that, 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 that talks about the character and nature and the heart of God? that helps us grow and go deeper and mature. So when we sing, it's not for us, it's for Him. That's what it is. Now, we get great benefit out of singing. We get great benefit out of hearing. It helps propel us and push us even deeper, and it helps us grow, and it reminds us. And man, it does a work in our heart and in us. Colossians 3.16 says this, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in what wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what he says. Let it dwell so much in you. You're teaching and you're admonishing. How? Through singing. Through singing. That's what this is. It's us reflecting back. It's us learning. It's us growing. It's us uh, a teaching. I, mean, I, I don't know about you, but like my, like my kids, like I just love, like they're getting to that place now. Like Brody had just kind of had gotten there and he's still in it. And, and, and Bennett's getting old enough now to like, like to hear these songs and they stick. And like it'll be nothing for me like to pick them up and we're in the car going somewhere. And Bennett's just about to say, hey, Dad, turn that one up. Turn it up. I'm like, dude, it's up. Dad, turn it up. I can't hear it back here. And, and I'll, I'll turn it up, and I'll be watching in the mirror, and there he is, he's just singing. I'll turn it down real quick just to hear it. Dad! And I'll turn it back up. Man, I love to hear that. Because what it does, it presses them all the more toward Jesus and who he is and what he's done for them. And it's doing a little work in their heart that they don't even realize and fully understand right now. And the conversation, like the questions that come from songs sometimes, oh my goodness. I mean, the conversation that I can have with a six-year-old, a nine-year-old, it, it, it helps grow and it helps press toward. Like, like one of the things that we're, we're going to start doing, one of the things that we're, we're going to be more intentional about, I'm going to be more intentional about, I haven't told you yet. Well, we've kind of talked about it, but we're going to do this. Is we're going to start putting the references of the Scripture on the slides. So, so we can go back and we can know and we can see, hey, this is not just something pulled out of our hat or something that's, like it comes from the Scriptures. It's telling us about the goodness and the greatness and the faithfulness of God. It just, it'll help us have a better understanding of, of what and why we're singing. It's going to help us grow. It builds up. It builds others up. And so, so for me, just, just kind of like to just kind of share two examples that, that I, just, I just love or that I get to experience and I get to, to see and it just, just, I guess it just amps me up is, is as a pastor, I get to kind of walk with people in a different way than most people do. I get to peek into their lives and hear certain things or, or have certain conversations that maybe uh, most people can't, like of struggles or difficulties or, or victories. I mean, just a number of things. Like, I just know stuff about people. That's not always a good thing. But I know stuff about people. And, and the thing that blows me away is that when the gathering gets together and people in, in difficulties or struggles or heartaches or heartbreaks, and when we gather in this room and I'll, I'll sometimes just look over and I'll see somebody just, just going at it with the Lord, knowing good and well what happened this past weekend, or knowing good and well what, what took place a few months ago, or know, know good and well that there's, that there's just hurt. 
And even in the difficulty of that or the struggle of that, they press into the Lord. And they sing back to Him. Regardless of the situation. I'm telling you what that does to me in my walk. Oh, what it does. And, and another thing, and I just love this. Like, I just love to hear the body corporately sing together. Like, I love for us to get in here and tell Dad how much we love him or how great he is or, or just how awesome he is as we sing back to him. And then one of the things I just, I just love when these guys do this is when they're singing and they kind of pull out and all of a sudden it's just, it's just us. I mean, you can hear the body just sing. Like, ah. I mean, like, like I'm ready to storm hell with a water pistol now, you know. Like, like let's do this. Like, the army, it, the army is getting ready. Oh, what it does in the heart. Man, how that excites me. Man, man, other believers, other believers singing out to God the value uh, that, that, that he has in their heart. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why we're doing more songs at the end now. Uh, that's, that's one of the reasons that we're, that we're putting more, we're, we're backloading it. Well, because we want to give time to respond to what we've just heard proclaimed. Man, when we've been here, we've been doing work this morning. We've been letting, letting the Holy Spirit do His thing in our hearts and draw us and encourage us. We're letting the Word of God work us over and beat us up a little bit and be in a, a nice, smooth salve to help grow us. And then, and then, and then what's worse than we do that and then we just leave? No, let's, let the, let's, let, let's do work with the Lord now. Let, let's have a time at the end where we can pray, where we can, uh, where we can sing, where we can tell Him how much we love Him, how much we need Him. We're like, oh, that hurt God, but, but I'm, I see what you're doing there. And you're, po- you're pointing out something? It was what I need. I need to be face down on the ground before my Lord. Or I need to be singing and, and joining the armies of heaven. Yes, that's true and that's right. Uh, that, that's, what we're, that's why we've done that. That's why we've moved more songs to the back. So we can hear the word of God proclaimed and then we can respond to it. Not just try to get to lunch. We can let the Lord do work in our heart. We, just need to, we need to slow down. We need to slow down and breathe for a moment. I just, I just think we feel that tension of hurry up, hurry up. We've got to get done. Scott, Scott has got to be done by 11. Or Scott, we've got to, and, and nobody's ever said that. But I think that's our thought in the modern church here in America. I mean, like the church in other countries, they just gather. When you get there, you get there. When does it end? When the Lord says it's enough. I mean, man. And so yet... Where we're going to see James is going to go deeper and he's going to invite him in even more to go deeper. In verse 14, he says this. He says, any among you sick? It's just this thought of being weakened by their suffering. They're through a lot of persecution right now and they're just getting beat up and they're getting worked over by the world. And he says, is there any among you that's sick? And sick could, could indicate like a spiritual sickness here. I mean, I mean, that you've just been beat up, you've been pounded on, that you've been worked over. Or it could mean a physical sickness here. And that your body's just broken down and you're struggling with this disease or this, this sickness or whatever it may be. And then, and then look at the response that he gives them, that he tells them. He says, if anyone of you among are sick, he says, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the oil there, it could be medical type oil. And the Verse 15 says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. That's what he says to do. This is community lived out. So much so, I mean, there's a struggle in my life. There's this thing going on in my life. You know, I just, need, I just need people to get around me and pray. I need the spiritual leaders of the church to just lay hands on me and just, just pray with me and help me fight through this the only way that I know how. Man, look at all that can be accomplished in those verses. Did, did you see that? Did you read that? They could save the sick. The, the Lord could raise them up. And there could be forgiveness. That's the power in community lived out. Yes, there needs to be relationship here, but there's also need to be relationship here. Like we need to be journeying and doing life together. We need to care for each other that much that we, that, that we walk with one another, that we check on one another, that, that we love each other. That's what the church looks like. And, and, and the sad part is we really see this take place and happen whenever there's a persecution or whenever they tell us we can't. Or we'll rise up and we'll show them that we can. Imagine what the world would be like if we would quit living in that mentality and just live like that all the time. I'm just going to walk in and love and care for and be with and I'm going to do life with. 
And then it even takes it a step further. Look at this. This, this is where it's going to get really, really... We need this this morning. 16, he says, Therefore, as a result of all that, all that's been said, all that he's told us about prayer, about praise, about sickness and praying for, therefore, he says this. He, said, he takes it a, st- a step further. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and as it is working. I just want to read one more time. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. I, and I don't believe that this is a, uh, this is a command that you just, you just air your dirty laundry to anybody everywhere. I believe that there needs to be parameters. I believe that there needs to be a relationship established. I, need to, I believe that there needs to be uh, some understanding but he says, confess your sins to one another and to pray for one another that you may be healed, that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so what we see in scriptures, this is there's this ongoing push for confession and repentance. You see that throughout the scriptures and James even jumps on it here. Yes, we confess to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely there's forgiveness in the Lord. Yes, that's called repentance, and it's the act of a believer, and it should be a daily act of a believer. Like Church, I say this all the time, that conviction is a good gift of the Lord. You should want conviction in your life. Why? Because it shows that he's working, that he's doing. It shows that you belong to him. It shows that he's not done with you yet. So you should want conviction in your heart and in your life. We need conviction in our heart and our life. Why? Because what I know is that there's not a person in this room that nails it every time all day. Because we can always go a little bit further. We can always be a little bit less selfish. We can always give a little bit more. We can always care a little bit more. We can always not say something a little bit more. We can always, you list it. Nobody, nobody has arrived and made it. So conviction is a good thing. So yes, we confess to the Lord. We repent. But I believe we also need to confess to another brother, to another sister. I believe that there's great, great benefit to this. I believe that there's great Great encouragement through this. So let's talk a second about accountability. I mean, who doesn't need accountability? We, we all need accountability. We all need to have those in, in, that's out there fighting for us, fighting with us, caring for us, walking with us. We, we need accountability. We need people that we can confess to, that we go that deep in relationship with, that, that's committed to the Lord first and foremost, first and, foremost and is committed to us, that, that cares for us. That when they say, how, hey, how are you doing? They, they, they really mean like, hey, no, really, how are you doing? And the, the good and fine answer is not the, the answer that they're looking for. And again, this world has just robbed us from that. When somebody says, hey, how are you doing? They really don't want to know. They really don't want you to tell them. They really don't want to go that deep with you. They just want to say, a good, fine, and then you go on about your day. I mean, have you ever tried it the other way? Hey, how you doing? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm happy you asked. Here, sit down for a second. Uh, oh, my wife needs me. We, we don't mean it. We don't mean it. We, we need people that we can go deeper with like that. All I'm going to say is this, is if there's not somebody in your life that knew what you shouldn't have done this week, that you did anyways... If there's not somebody in your life that you've confessed that to this week, you're at a very dangerous place, brother, sister. A very dangerous place. If there is somebody in your life, if there's not somebody in your life that you have those conversations with regularly, you are on the edge and the cusp of a major, major pitfall. I'm just telling you right now, well, I tell the Lord, yes, you should, and that's good. Well, he'll hold me accountable. Yes, he will every time, but he also sometimes will be killing and take you out too if you don't listen. I mean, do, do we want to go that route? Well, go ahead. Yeah, just keep telling him and nobody else. Just keep on struggling with that. Keep on going down that road. Keep on, and I tell him every time, yeah, you do. Were well, you ready to kind of get through that a little bit? Are you ready kind of to, to walk that out a little bit more? Are you ready kind of uh, to really get, get going in your relationship with the Lord and others? Then you, you find somebody that you can find accountability with. You, you walk with somebody that knows you. And I'm not talking about like just like 75% of you. Not even 99.9%. If you're 99.9% known, you're still completely unknown. Because the 0.1%, that's where you're going to fall. That's where you're going to fail. That's where you're going to stumble. And as I said earlier, it's not just anybody that you do this with. It's a trusted somebody that's for you, that's, that's growing and maturing in the Lord all the way with you. 
And I know the anxiety that's felt in this room when we talk about that. What would they think or what would they do or what would they say or how may they respond? Well, one, if it's not good, you know that that's not the person. And two, if they go out and they run their mouth about it or they, they do judge in that way, or they do, then they don't understand sin and the weight of it. I mean, how could I, how could I have somebody share something with me and then me turn around and be like, oh, dear God. It, or even think that for a moment. Like, there's nothing that you can tell me that'll shock me. Nothing. Why? Because I know what sin is. And if I were to tell you mine this week, just this week. And see, the problem is we don't have a right good understanding of what sin is. Like, there's certain that, okay, yeah, I can, I can tolerate that. Go ahead, tell me. Yeah, okay. But you did what? You thought what? You said. And if they respond like that, then they don't, they don't know and understand. And again, I don't think we just go head in all of a sudden right at first. We get to know we walk with. We get to walk and know and do that. And man, the benefit from that. When we don't have a relationship in our life like that with somebody. Like, I, I got a guy that I call weekly. I mean, it can be just like a little old, like, not much of nothing thing. Because what I've learned is those little old, not much of nothing things turn into a really big, devastating things really, really fast. And I just don't want to walk down that road. I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. Because I think we put too much weight in what somebody else will think a lot of the times. And we just bought in, we bought into the lie and we're just paralyzed by the fear or, or, or what will they think or what will they say or will they accept me? When really at the end of the day, who gives a rip if they do or not? Because you're already accepted in the one that needs to accept you. You're already found in him. If, you're, if you believe in Jesus and you walk with him, you have a relationship with him. And so we must walk in repentance. When we, when we don't see where our sin, however little we may believe it to be, is a huge offense to the Lord, we're in a dangerous, dangerous place. And I believe this is why the church is sick and getting her teeth kicked in, quite frankly. We're too hidden. We're too afraid of man's opinion. We're too afraid, what will they think about me? What, what, maybe they'll love you enough to help you get help. Maybe they'll love you enough and care for you to, to walk with you all the more in it. To help you find freedom in, to help you walk in all that Christ has for you. Now in verse 17, what we're going to see is this, is we're going to see James and he's going to give this example. This example of old, what to do, what to show all that God can do in a life devoted relationally to him in communion with him. Listen to this, listen to this for a second. Verse 17, as we continue, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Man, that, that should breathe fresh breath. That should be an encouragement. Um, he, he's a man with a nature like ours, just broken, busted up, like, like we walked in here this morning or drug ourselves in here this morning. That, that's who he is. That's what he's like. And, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And what happens? For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So I just love again how James just draws from, from a prophet of old. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the story uh, of, of Elijah. But, but let, me, let me just, let me share with you for a moment. So Elijah, he first appears in 1 Kings chapter 17. Where what happens is he's standing in front of Ahab, this, this terrible, horrific king who's married to Jezebel. And it's already stopped raining for about six months now in Israel. And so they're there, no rain for six months. And you have Elijah, and he, tell, he tells Ahab that, that it's, it's going to be like that for three more years. Hunker down, get ready, because it's going to be like that for three more years. Well, what happens? Ahab and, and Jezebel, they want him dead now. And so then he flees to the brooks of Cherub. And while he's there at Cherub, what happens? God takes care of him. God provides. God, God does a work in him. The birds come, and they feed him, and then there's water there in the brook. And then all of it starts to drop. It all starts to drop, and so Elijah begins to wonder. Elijah begins to wonder if the Lord's forgotten him. Have I done something wrong? And so then he leaves, and the Lord leads him to the widow of Zarephath. And he approaches her, and he says that the Lord has led me here. Would you please make me something to eat? And so as he's there talking to her, her response is this, man, I have a little bit of water, I have a little bit of oil, I have a little bit of, uh, of flour. And I'm going to make a cake for, for me and for my son to eat so that we can die. So that we can die. 
And Elijah says, well, the Lord has sent me here and he will provide. He, he is good. And what, is, what do we know in the story? God does. He provides. That's all she had and God provides. So day after day after day, there's, there's the right amount of water, there's the right amount of oil, there's the right amount of flour. For what? For God to provide and to feed and to give nourishment. And then out of nowhere, the widow's son, she gets, he gets sick and he dies. And then she begins to wonder if it's her sin. Was it her sin that caused this? Did she do this? Which what? It just sets the stage for Elijah, right? It just sets the stage for him. But no. No, Elijah doesn't step up. No, what happens? Elijah goes down that same road. You, you think that he would heal him, that he would do a mighty work in him? You think that he would do that? And it eventually does. But Elijah goes down that same road. He begins to question. Man, have I sinned against the Lord? Have I done something that led to the boy's death? Is it me? And then we fast forward a little bit and we get uh, Elijah on the Mount of Carmel fighting the prophets of Baal. And what does he do? We know this story. He calls down fire from heaven. And what does it do? It consumes not just the sacrifice, but the rocks and the dirt. He calls for fire from heaven and it comes. That's what he does. And it consumes. I mean, amazing story. Amazing story. And then ultimately what happens after this, Jezebel, she hears about what happens to her prophets. And then she says, God, deal with me harshly. If by this time tomorrow, Elijah's not like them. And then what do we know about Elijah? Elijah, this mighty man of God, right? Mighty man of God. What is his response? After all that he's been through, after all that he's seen God done, after all the blessings of the Lord, after all the faithfulness of the Lord, he runs. I'm like, dude, you just called down fire from heaven. What do, you, what, do you, what do you got to fear? It's obvious God's on your side. He's in your corner. You're a man of God. What are you doing? But he runs and he pouts and he accuses God even. I mean, he just accuses God. I mean, he's just called fire from heaven and now he tucks tail and he runs. After all that he had been through and experienced with God, what is he? he tucks tail and he runs. And Elijah actually, he, he eventually actually asked God, will you just let me die? He asked God, God, just kill me. God, will you, will you just kill me here? Just, just take me out. And the thing I love about this story, the thing I love about this scripture at the very beginning, what, what does James say? Elijah is a man with a nature like ours. Like, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes like, I'll put myself in the story, I'll be like, man, those bumbling fools, what are they doing? And God's like, well, Scott, you know yesterday, that little thing that you did, oh, that's right, oh. Yeah, but, but I mean, but like, it wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't run from the, yeah, but, but you ran from me. See, see, that's the thing about sin. That's the thing about this story. It, it may appear that they're running from something, but what they're really running from is the presence of God, the power of God in their life, the opportunity to walk relationship with the Lord. That's what they're, that's what we do. Like, when we sin, the problem is not what we're running toward, but the one that we're running from. That's the issue with sin. That's the issue with our drawing toward it. That's what Elijah was doing. He was running from the Lord. And he has a nature just like ours. And what does God do? God pursues. God loves. God rescues. And in the midst of all that God had done in and through him, he doubts in that moment. I mean, he doubts in that moment. I just got to... And I think, I think of my life and I'm the same way. I, I bet you could say that about you. And so what James is telling the people to do here is cling to the Lord, know the Lord, run to the Lord. It's, it's in Him where there's power. It's in Him where there's righteousness. And so for all of Elijah's goofiness, as he, as he establishes everything that had happened, he establishes what Elisha as his heir. And what do we know about him? Where's the next place we see him? We see Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's where we see him with the Mount of Transfiguration. He shows up and he's there in the presence of God, of Jesus. And so as the band comes, I just believe that James is starting to wrap up his letter to these believers and just living in a very difficult day. And he's just giving, the, giving them this life-giving reminder. Your head and your heart needs to be communing with God on high. We need to be walking out relationally with the Lord. And, and the way that that happens is what? Through prayer? Through, through praise? 
through repentance, through reminders of those from old. That's, what he, that's, that's the way that we do it. That's where we find our power. That's where we find our sustenance. That's where we find our source is in the presence of the Lord and relationally walking with Him. They're spending time communicating and talking to. They're spending time pouring out and giving back to and reflecting to Him. They're spending time repenting, yes, of our sins to Him, but but also finding somebody else who can walk relationally with me to help me uh, push me along. And so, so my prayer has been for me this week, my prayer has been for you this week, is that we would just feel worn out in the race of life. Maybe even feel worn out in the, uh, in, in the fakeness, and the facade of trying to, I can do this, or trying to live the Christian life on your own power. That's, that's been my prayer for us this week. God, that you would just out us. Let us get caught in our sin. And if by you's not enough, then maybe somebody else will. Dang, that's, that's, a, that's a rough prayer to be praying. And that's a gracious prayer. That's a loving prayer. Because, because hear me, for those that are God's, He loves you enough to let you get caught. He loves you enough to let you get caught. Because He doesn't want you being, He don't want you trying to do it on your own. He don't want you being fake out there. He didn't want, I mean, have we not, has our fakeness not done enough damage in the world? I mean, is that not just a series we can start preaching next week and probably get through the whole year with? Not this year, but this and next. I'm telling you, the reason why we get to that place is because we don't have people in our life that's going to love us enough that we're going to walk with and let them tell us the truth about us. And I'm not saying we get everybody an open door to our life. But I'm saying we need people in our life. So, man, I just, I just, I pray, I pray that God draws you all the more. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what God's spoken to your heart. I don't know what he's told you. I don't know if, if you've confessed this week to him. Maybe that's the first step for you. Maybe it's just a life of repentance and then asking him to send somebody your way that you can just do relationship with to the point of being able to share. To the point of finding someone that will love you and walk with you and care for you enough to to help you along in this journey. I mean, we're not called to live the maverick life of a Christian. It's communal. It's with each other. Man, Man, when left alone, you're in a dangerous place. I don't know, maybe that's the first step for you this morning. Maybe the first first step is for you to become a believer and be like, you know what, dang, I don't know what he's saying, but God's just doing something to draw me. Pray, what, what is that? What is, what is a relationship? You talk about relationship? What does that even mean? I'd love to talk with you more about that, what that means. But my hope and my prayer is this this morning, is that, is that, we, would, that we would do what the Scripture says. So in the coming year, we're going to try to do things, set up some things that would allow us to help to walk that out communally as well as to help us walk that out individually. So we're going to be rolling some stuff out in the first of the year to help us pray better, to help us pray together better. And to press in and see, I believe the reason why the church is so weak in our day is we don't pray. We just try to figure it out ourselves. We try to throw more energy and effort to it. We try to throw finances to it. We try to throw uh, ideas to it. We, we, just, we try to figure it out ourselves and we never go to the one that's already got the answer. And we definitely don't live out a life of repentance. When was the last time you were really broken over your sin? I mean, just devastated by the offense that you've been to a holy God. See, that's the thing. Like, we get all worked up people sin against us. Like, ah, oh, that uh, Yeah, yeah, it hurts. But, but the devastating thing is what they've done to God. What we've done to God, what I've done to God. I mean, so my prayer this morning is this, is that he would just slay us. That he would just work us over. And, and he would reveal in the hearts of his people this morning the smallest of sins. And that you would feel the weight for a moment of that. Because that smallest of sin, whether it's gossip, whether it's a lustful eye, whether it's, it's, it's a slander, whatever it may be, all the way down the deepest, darkest thing. Still put Jesus on the cross. And Jesus had to die for it. Or you answer for it and take it yourself. No matter how small or how big. So think about that for a second when he says, hey, come on in. You've already been accepted. It's already been paid for. You have to walk in that. So I'm going to pray, and then they're going to lead us. We're going to do more songs this morning. 
ought to be reminded of the goodness and faithfulness of God. And, and, and I hope he does a work in this place where what, what I would like to see, this is my heart, my desire, and I know he can do so much greater than what I'm even thinking and imagining in this moment. I mean, how awesome would it be if God saved somebody this morning? How awesome would it be if instead of in that song this morning, you, you, you stand up and you start singing, but you're like, oh, I've got a brother here I need to go talk to and encourage. I mean, we've seen that throughout the book of, of James. Have we not encouraged one another? I mean, like, like response time here as we sing and as, as we think and, and meditate on the things that God said and done in our heart. It's not just us standing up like a lump on a log. I'm like, Jesus is so good. Yes, he is. And it's really shown it with the vibrancy of our life. And I'm not saying you have to jump and do cartwheels down the aisle. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, because that could very much not be worship as standing here and just singing from a sincere, real heart. It's not about that outward it's about the inward reflection to God. And, and it doesn't have, like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be just a song. Like, I mean, like, like you know, like, this should be, honest to goodness, the most chaotic part of the service. Man, I got that brother. I just need to go encourage. I need to put my arm around. I need to love. I need to hug. I need to care for. I need to go pray with. I mean, I, my guy's here. I need, to go, I need to confess. I mean, God knows what I did, but I need, I need to tell him so he can hold me accountable, so he can love with me, he can walk with me, he can check with me this week. Maybe I need to step out and make a phone call. I mean, God, God, God just kicked me here. I need, to, I need to call and tell you right now. I don't, I don't know what this time looks like, but what I know is this, is that, is that we, we've got to start moving toward the Lord, being obedient to how he leads us and what he does in us. I mean, maybe there's somebody sick that needs to be prayed for. I don't know, I don't know what it looks like this morning. But I want us to be serious about what God's serious about. I want us to live out what the word of God has said. And I want us to accomplish and be what James started out with well-rounded, complete. We've got to grow up, church. We've got to. Father, help us this morning in this place. Be real and honest with you. Help us seek you first more than anything else in this world. And God, I'm not, when I said I want to be chaotic and crazy, I'm not wanting foolishness type. I want like real sincere. That's what I'm praying for. I, I pray that people didn't hear something that I didn't mean. But God, if, if you would press on somebody's heart to do something that's maybe outside of the box, like go over to somebody else and put their arm around them and pray for them in that moment, or, or just fall on their face at the altar, or confess sin in a way, what, whatever that looks like it means. God, we know that you're orderly. We know that you have a plan and a way, and it's not to take away attention from you. So God, that, that's not my heart and my intention. My, my heart and my intention is this, is that we would take from here and live it out there as well. That, that's how we know if, we, if we're doing it. God, help us this morning in this place. Hear from you. Respond in this moment to all that you've done. Your goodness, your greatness. In your name we pray. Amen.